Hello, and welcome to the podcast for 613. This message was given by Danny Strange. Our passage tonight is in the book of Luke, chapter 14. We'll put it on the screen, and you can open up your Bibles to it later since it's kind of dark in here. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the law, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, If one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it out? They had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked their places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who has invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you'll have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those who sat at the table with them heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he had sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, the banquet, everything is ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still more room. Then the master told the servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Let's pray as we dive in tonight. Father, we hear these words and we know that they're significant and yet we don't fully know why. And we know there's something there in Jesus' speech to these people that's so life-changing. And, and we resonate with this idea, and yet we, we don't know how to apply it. Or we fear you may call us to a scary place or to leave the comforts of the world or to live in anonymity. And, and on one hand, we're willing to do whatever you call us to, but on the other hand, we're terrified that we might make a mistake and end up ruining our lives by becoming nothing or something. We pray that you would give us discernment and wisdom 
and more than anything else, open eyes to see your kingdom. Let us not be like those people who accidentally declined an invitation to an amazing banquet. But let us be people who hear and see and understand what Jesus has for us and, and find a place at your banquet table as a result. We pray these things in his name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. If you did bring your Bibles with you or if you want to grab the one in front of you, we are in Luke 14 in a series on grace. There are several parables in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus is talking about how this whole grace economy works, how we become people who live under God's grace and how we can be recipients of his grace and some of the ways that, that we might miss his grace. And in this parable, in Luke 14, we hear about people who inadvertently missed God's grace because they had better stuff going on. Luke 14. You got it? We need it. We need grace. If Jesus was invited to the Academy Awards, do you think he'd go? It's interesting, you know, you might have like a strong opinion all of a sudden and then think, well, why do I have that opinion? Of course he'd go, well, I don't know. If, I mean, the kind of stuff on movies, these, oh, but he doesn't care. He's redeeming the, and we have this fight inside of us. Would he even show up? Would he even be invited? Probably not. If he was invited, would he go? Who would he be wearing? <laughs> it's interesting how you answer that question might say a lot about what you think about Jesus and his relation to culture. Would Jesus show up wearing something super classy but conservative? Would he not care at all about that kind of stuff so he'd just show up in the one cloak he owns? And if he did that, would he be ridiculed or would he be held up as, oh, he doesn't even care about the system. Look at this guy. It's interesting. We might have a strong opinion on where Jesus would land on the Oscars. And like I said, what we believe about that actually says a lot about Jesus' relationship in our mind with culture. Does he engage with it? Would he show up at a, at a gathering like that? Or would he be anti the Academy Awards? And if he was there, would he necessarily be supporting it? Or would he be kind of protesting somehow? Would he stand outside with a sign picketing the movies that were on the top ten list this year? Or would he be inside with the people who needed grace and be engaging with those people? And if he was, would he, would he dress the part or would he be himself? Would it, does it matter? Are you being fake if you wear a tux? Would Jesus wear a tux if they had tuxes back then? We don't know. What we do know is that oftentimes Jesus seemed to lack social sensibilities. You ever notice that? Anytime Jesus shows up at a party, he ruins it. He like brings up something super awkward, or he brings people with him that nobody wants there, or he spends his time, instead of hanging out around the elite people, he hangs out in the corner with all the poor people, and everybody's like, Jesus, you're not supposed to be over there, you're supposed to be over here with these people. He didn't get it. He didn't understand that there are certain places that you're supposed to be seen with people and it's okay to just schmooze a little bit. He didn't seem to understand all those things. Anytime he went to a party, he got in trouble. And he got in trouble for 
Sometimes saying offensive things. Sometimes we're doing great things. But he didn't understand that there's a time and a place to do great things. And, and it's probably not at a party. I mean, you're probably not supposed to be the guy who shows up at a party and does a miracle. Trying to change the whole tone of the thing. Just keep it quiet. You know, there's a time and a place to do miracles. It's not at a luncheon, right? Luke tells us in chapter 14 that Jesus was invited to this lunch or dinner, this meal, on a Saturday, the Sabbath day, at a Pharisee's house. And we know how the Pharisees thought about Jesus, their, their views towards him. You know, there were some who were starting to get a little bit okay with Jesus, like Nicodemus in John 3 comes, he starts to have an, a conversation with Jesus. But by and large, the Pharisee party, the religious elite, they didn't like him. They, they wanted him out. They didn't consider him part of their clique, right? Because the Pharisees, they all went to school, they all studied, they worked their way up the kind of religious social ladder, and Jesus was just some random guy from Galilee that everyone claimed was a rabbi, claimed was a religious leader, but he had no credentials. And so maybe they were inviting him to this party because you keep your friends close but your enemies closer. Maybe they invited him to the party because they liked him, maybe. Maybe it was an awkward, like, pity invite, like he was hanging out with someone else who got invited, and they're like, oh, Jesus, you can come too if you want. But the way that Luke describes the incident, it kind of seems like they're bringing him to make fun of him. Remember in high school, all the groups of cool kids always had, like, one token nerd they hung out with. Does this happen in your high school? And it would be all these great, these jocks or whatever it was, and there was this one guy who was like the nerdiest guy imaginable, and they enveloped him into their clique. And they invited him to all their parties, and when they had a band, they let him sing a couple of the songs. And, and this kid, it looked like he was in, in hog heaven, right? He was finally with the cool kids, but everyone knew that this nerd was just part of the game. They didn't like him. They pretended to like him. But he became like a party favor. They can make him say anything and, and totally ridicule himself. They can make him drink anything. They can make him do anything and everyone could laugh at his expense. And everyone knew that these guys didn't really like him. The only person who seemed to not understand what was happening was the nerd. You know, he, he thought he actually was liked by these people. I wonder if he really did know that. Or if he knew the whole time it was just a show, but he was happy to have someone who paid attention to him. I kind of think this is what the Pharisees are doing to Jesus at this party. Because Jesus shows up, invited, it seems, to this party of people who all thought they were better than him. And they thought he didn't know anything about anything. And so he shows up at this party, and all of a sudden, Luke says, standing in front of Jesus at this party is a man who suffered with this ailment. In the Bible, it's called dropsy. It's called edema these days. You know, women get pregnant. Some of them in the last, like the third trimester, their feet and their legs get kind of swollen. It's like that, but way, way worse. And you're, there's something wrong with the homeostasis of your body, like your liver and, and the different, I don't know anything about biology, obviously. All, all your different organs aren't necessarily processing fluids well, and so you start retaining fluid, and you start swelling up. And we know today that this is a, a disease that, that happens when your organs start failing, but back then... They thought it was a sexual sin, that you must have done something with somebody, and now God is punishing you. And so they stick this man, this outcast, in front of Jesus, 
And everyone just kind of stands and watches to see what Jesus is going to do. Maybe a party's not a good place to heal a guy. But everybody heard that's what Jesus likes to do. But more than that, Saturday is not the day to heal a guy. <laughs> there are six days for healing. Saturday's a day of rest. Surgeons can't work on Saturday. Physicians can't work on Saturday. Priests can't do those kinds of ritual cleansings on Saturday. That's the day to lay low, step back from your profession, whatever it is, and relax, like have a party, as long as you have the party properly. And yet Jesus had this reputation as being a guy who doesn't care about the law, like he didn't even know about the law. He would just heal whoever he wanted on whatever day. And so they stick this guy in front of Jesus, and all of a sudden everyone at the party gets quiet because they notice that Jesus noticed this guy. And Jesus, Jesus noticed them noticing that he noticed him. And the elephant in the room is, what's Jesus going to do? Is he going to realize that compared with all these religious elite, he's low on the food chain? And so he should kind of just duck out of this one and kind of go with the crowd? That's what you're supposed to do? Or, or is he going to do that thing that he keeps doing, break the law, heal a guy at someone else's party, shame all these religious leaders, and be that guy? Jesus puts it in their court. He says, okay, I notice you're all looking at me. Um, is it right to heal this guy or not? And what would you do if you were in my shoes? If you had the power to bring someone healing and freedom and health and release from bondage, what would you do? And they just stared at him. And Jesus heals the man, absolutely transforms his life. And then sends him on his way. <laughs> I'm sure people started to whisper, I knew it. I knew he'd do that. Jesus doesn't care about anything. And Jesus says, if your kid fell into a well, would you let him sit there and drown because it was Saturday? And if you've had an animal that fell into a well, would you let it sit down there and die because it was Saturday? No one said anything. But I mean, that's your kid, you know? <laughs> I mean, that's your donkey, right? Who is this guy? He's just some pervert. Got stuck in sexual sin and got edema from it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Jesus, if that was your kid, you'd save him, but he's not. And while these people are watching Jesus, Jesus is watching them. It's kind of funny because, I mean, who would have known that Jesus ha had the social smarts to be able to observe people at a party? I thought he was just kind of the newcomer. He didn't know the social setting. And, and yet Jesus is standing in the corner while this is happening, and he's seeing what these guys are doing. And what they're doing is like they're playing leapfrogger or something. They're all positioning for the place of honor at that luncheon or dinner. So the, the, back in those days, where you sat at a dinner or at a social function was super important because it said a lot about who you were. It's kind of like sitting shotgun today. You know, like that's reserved for the person who has the best relationship with the driver. Back then, if 
you go to dinner and you have the best relationship or you're the best person in the room, you sit on the right and on the left, not both, on the right or on the left of the host. The dinner table is like a big U. And so really the whole deal was who gets to sit on the right hand and who gets to sit on the left hand of the host. Because anyone who came into that party and they saw the guy at the right hand of the host, they would say, that's the most important guy in the room. And if you're throwing a party, you want to fill the room with good people, right? You're not going to throw a party and invite a bunch of rejects like this guy with dropsy or even Jesus. If you're going to throw a party, you're going to want to look like a big deal. Because if you're a big deal, then you'll get invited to better parties. And so Jesus sees these guys positioning around the table. When it comes time to get close to eating, these people kind of sidling up to the host like, hey, where do you want me to sit? Going to grab the chair near the front of the table or kind of start to sit down like, I'm going to sit here at the right hand of the host. Is that cool? And he sees that. He doesn't just see their actions. He sees their hearts. He sees their motivations. He sees how consumed they are with the way that they look in the eyes of all the people in the room as they're positioning themselves to be successful in the eyes of the world. He sees all that. And he looks at them, (laughs) bouncing around, trying to find the best seat. And he says, let me give you a tip, guys. (laughs) When you go to a party, for example, doesn't have to be this one, Don't sit at the right hand of the host because you know what can happen? And if you're sitting there at the right hand of the host and you think you're the most important person in the room, all of a sudden like a super important person walks in, what's going to happen? Is the host going to shame the president or something? No, the host is going to say, hey, excuse me, um, I want that guy to sit here. And he's going to bump you down the food chain. It's like that's humiliating. Jesus says, "You you know what you could do instead? When you go to a party, instead of fixating on trying to get the best seat, why don't you just come in and take the worst seat? Because then, if you are truly as important as you think that you are, the host is going to come over to you and say, what are you doing sitting out here? Come on up with me. And and then you'll be exalted. It's because if you exalt yourself, chances are you'll be humbled. But if you humble yourself, and you really are that important, chances are that you'll be exalted. That's funny, that's pretty good party advice, you know? You could do that this week. When you go out with your friends, a group of people, whatever, take the back seat. Sit in the middle of the back row in the car. So you know what, if you're really as important as you think you are, the driver will say, oh no, silly, don't sit in the middle of the back. Come sit up with me in the front and, and you'll be exalted. You'd hate to be that guy who sits down shotgun and the host says, or the driver says, um, actually... Um, I, I was hoping that Carlos would sit shotgun because he's my BFF, F, F. So Jesus says, hey, humble yourself and, and you might be exalted. But if you exalt yourself, you might be humbled. And we hear this and we could take practical advice into shotgun and cars and where to stand in parties, how to friend on Facebook. Back at MySpace, remember you had the top eight? Remember that? Luckily, we're freed from that now. But I think there's something deeper that he's bringing up here. And that's the way that we are consumed with our image. You notice that? We are people, men, women, children, who who love being looked at like we're something. Remember back in high school, we fixated on what group we'd affiliate ourselves with? Even if you loved math, you would never join the math club, right? Even if you loved science, No way am I going to that lunch. 
you were in band, you kind of kept it undercover because you don't want to be labeled as that guy. I was that guy. I didn't get it. And even today, we're still fixated so much with these things. We watch, we watch the Academy Awards because we want to see what people are wearing because we are enamored with what greatness really looks like. And what is that movie star going to wear? We read all those magazines trying to figure out what we're going to wear because we want to look like them because they're great. And deep inside, even if we're super insecure, we, we've kind of convinced ourselves that if we can just look like we're great, maybe people will think that we're great. We use all our social media to brand ourselves. It's interesting. It used to be that products had a brand. Coke had a brand. Pepsi had a brand. Now we are the products, right? And we brand ourselves because we want to decide what we look like because our image is so important because the whole world doesn't see our heart. They see who we're wearing. They see what we're drinking. They see what kind of cup we're holding. And if we can convince them that we're important, Maybe we are important. Jesus says, maybe you could free yourself from that. What would it be like if instead of trying to make yourself look good in everyone's eyes, you released that need? And you said, you know what? I don't care anymore. I'm going to wear the same clothes every day. I'm just going to work hard at work every day and do my thing, and I'm not going to go and kiss up to the boss anymore. I'm not going to go and CC my boss in every email so they know I'm doing a good job and I'll just pretend I'm trying to keep them in the loop, but I want them to see that I'm keeping them in the loop, right? I'm not going to post everything on Facebook so everyone thinks that I'm amazing. You know, I don't care what people think anymore, and not in that I'm going to do whatever I want. Thing. I'm going I'm to serve the Lord. I want to be a, an amazing servant of God, and I want to honor him with my life. But you know what? I don't care who notices anymore. Jesus, what if you did that? You know, there's a little bit of fear there, but there's freedom there too, isn't there? So we realize we could just be ourselves, and Jesus says, if you humble yourself, and you're really that great, you'll be exalted. If you're really that great of an employee, somebody will notice. If you're really that great a dresser, and you don't have to tell anyone, someone will say, nice shirt. But if it doesn't consume you anymore, maybe you'll be a little happier. And we hear that, and we think, that's actually kind of good advice. I'm going to sit in the back row of the car. I'm not going to sit right next to the host when I go to a party. I'm not going to CC my boss on the emails. I- I'm free. And Jesus starts to share a little bit uh, about something that controls us, which is our image. And we start to realize that, wow, I think about this stuff a lot. If you don't think you think about this stuff a lot, show up at work and, like, don't wear a sock tomorrow or something. It's going to consume you. So as people, I don't know if they resonated with this or not, but after saying that, he turns from the guests and he looks at the host. He says, hey, let me give you a tip. Jesus is giving the free advice now. It's free advice from Jesus mode, which is probably super annoying in that setting. But wouldn't you wish that Jesus would give you free advice? That would be awesome. They didn't know that. So he's giving it to you now. So he turns to the host. And he says, let me tell you about how to throw a party. You don't say that, right? That's just rude. But he did it. He says, let me tell you. And he kind of changes it up. He says, if you throw a wedding banquet, is that what he says? Maybe he did totally just, nope, a luncheon or a dinner. Oh, man, that's messed up. Says to the host who threw a luncheon or dinner, hey, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite these people. 
<laughs> which probably is good advice after just being alienated and embarrassed in front of everyone. Maybe he was just mad, maybe. But more likely he's giving more good advice. He says, when you throw a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your brothers and sisters and friends and all that because they'll just repay you and invite you to another dinner. Well, that's true. And they're thinking probably, well, you know, that is why I invited these people, right? And that's how this whole social thing works. Like, I invite great people to my party. I hope I get invited to greater parties. And then I hope I meet someone who invites me to their party. Then I invite them to my party and they invite me to that party. Then I get invited to this party. And at some point, I don't know what will happen. But it will be amazing, right? That's what I'm trying to do here. Well, she says, okay, well, what if you just got out of that whole thing and <laughs> stopped worrying about that and, and instead did this? When you invite a party or have a party, invite the poor, the lame, the crippled, people who can't repay you. But God will bless you. It's interesting, if we try to take that one and turn it into good advice, that one's a lot more scary. I don't know what it is. I feel like if Jesus was truly saying, break out of the whole social thing and, and don't check in on Facebook anymore, don't CC your boss anymore, ride in the backseat of the car, whatever, it's like, yeah, I'm going to do it. But if Jesus was truly saying, stop inviting your friends over, start hanging out with social rejects, all of a sudden it's like, <gasps> I don't think he's saying that. Now, that's why normally when we preach this passage, we preach the first part first one week, and we say, Jesus wants you to break free of social media. And then we preach the second one the next week and say, Jesus isn't necessarily saying that you need to invite outcasts to your parties. I think he's either saying both, or he's saying none, or he's saying something else. I think Jesus is saying that in the same way as we can get so caught up in this whole social whatever with the way that we present ourselves, we can be just as caught up in the way that we look at relationships. And it's funny, the reason that I, I would be so terrified to stop inviting my friends over and start inviting the social outcasts to my house instead, it's because I love my friends. <laughs> I wouldn't want to not see my friends. I, I'm not good in awkward situations, and I would be creating a lot of awkward situations. I'm not good at that either. But I think what Jesus is trying to point out is that when we view our friends and our family and our social situation as a means to kind of climb up some ladder, in the same way that we've taken ourselves and turned ourselves into commodities, we've taken people and relationships and turned that into a commodity. You notice that? If you're inviting people to your house because you want to get invited to their house, it's not about the people. It's about your social standing in this weird structure. And it's not about them anymore. And sure, you love them and say, no, no, I love these people. I hope they invite me to their party. Jesus says, well, what, what if you broke free from that? What if he said, you know what, I don't need to make my social calendar a way that I impress people anymore. I don't need to base my worth on what parties I'm invited to or throwing anymore. Well, what if I don't need to care if I get that wedding invitation or not? What if I said, you know what, I, I'm going to hang out with people who don't have people to hang out with, who are looking for, for friendship and who lack community and are the outcasts that nobody likes, and, and I'll bring joy to them, and, and they'll never repay me. But you know what, who cares because I, I live to honor God and I want to serve people, not turn them into a means to my social end. That's a harder one to swallow. <laughs> and a guy changes the subject. He does the like super like Jesus juke thing. You heard of that? Where you kind of throw in Jesus or throw in something spiritual and kind of like shake it up. He goes, oh, blessed is he who will eat and drink in the kingdom of God. Like, uh, let's not talk about this anymore. 
Jesus, that's amazing. Yeah, someday we'll be in heaven. Won't that be great? All of us, us rich people, the awesome people, and the poor people that you like, all of us will be in heaven and, and we'll be sharing one table. Won't that be an amazing banquet? Let's keep that in heaven, not on earth. That would be amazing, Jesus. Yeah, blessed is that guy. And Jesus says, a certain man wanted to throw a party. And so he sent his servants out into the world. And he started telling all of his friends and his family and his brothers and sisters that, hey, I I'm getting a party ready. You get, you get your calendar together. Make sure that you're ready. The meal's being prepared. I'm going to come back soon, and I'm going to tell you that it's time to step into my party, and I just want you to be ready. Save the date. And he comes back to the host and says, okay, I sent it all to save the dates. And the host said, well, great. Well, everything's ready. The, the table is set. Go and tell everyone. So the guy goes out. He says, hey, great news. I sent you to save the date. The wedding date is here. Let's join. Let's go to the party. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And the guy's like, ah, today, today. I, today's a busy day for me. <laughs> I got stuff going on, you know. I, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I wish it was tomorrow or yesterday, you know. But today, um, I, I just bought this team of oxen, and I was just about to try them out, and everything's set up, and the weather's right. Uh, I can't. Can you just tell them? I said my regrets. I'm not going to be able to come today. And the servant's like, sure, all right, all right no problem. Not my party, right? Goes on this guy and says, hey, great news, party's coming. Come on, dinner, dinner's ready. Dinner's ready. Oh, really? Ah, God. I just got married. I feel like, I, you know, you got to spend that quality time with your wife. I don't want to go to some social thing where we're going to split up for a couple days and go through all. I'm not going to be able to make it. It's just, I'm kind of working on margin in my life right now, and there's just too much on my plate. Ah, sorry. Send in my regrets. And he goes to person after person. Everybody's like, sorry, I'm busy. I've got stuff going on. And, and hey, theologians for thousands of years have tried to weigh the validity of these excuses. I, I think that all that Jesus is saying is, hey, they had stuff going on. Stuff in this world going on. They had real estate deals. They had oxen they were trying. They were getting married, all that stuff. Life was happening. Things were happening in this world. And there was a conflict. They, they couldn't make it to the party. It just happens sometimes. And the servant goes back to the host and says, hey, um, everyone sends their regrets. And the host is like, you kidding me? Everyone sends their regrets? He's like, yeah. But the table is set. The food's on the table. Everyone sends their regrets. <laughs> I killed my animals and I cooked them. I mean, I uncooked them, send them back in the field. Everyone sends their regrets. What do we do? Throw the food away? Everyone sends their regrets. Messenger, messenger, don't kill me. You know? He's like, we're having a party. <laughs> we're having a party. Go out, find anybody who will come. Hit the streets, hit the corners, hit the alleys, hit, 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 hit everywhere. Go find people. We're eating this meal. So they're like, uh, okay, okay. And the servant goes out and he gets all these people like, hey, uh, awesome party. They're like, me? Yeah, you, anybody. Just come, bring your friends. Awesome party, free food, free food, free root beer. It's going to be great. Come on in, awesome party, right? Invite all the town, all these people. They're like, I got invited to a party at that guy's house. Like, yeah, just come. It's going to be great. It's okay. So these people show up and there's still room around the table. He's like, we're not letting this food go to waste. You know, it's like everyone's mother. Like, you eat your food, right? So he says, go out and find more people. 
Go out farther. Go to the next town. Hit the streets. Go to the highways. Go to the byways, right? Fine. Everybody you bring them, this feast is going to be full because I'm throwing a party and everyone's invited. None of the people I invited are going to come because they're too lame with their oxen and wives and things. But we're still having a party. And I'm sure that the Pharisees and the religious elite and the guests of honor at that lunch were like, cool story, Jesus. Some dude threw a party and his friends didn't really like him. (laughs) Sucks for him. Let's eat. But what Jesus is trying to bring out is that these things in this world that we are so consumed with our image and our relationships and our our well-being, good things, right? Marriage and family, work, corporate ladder, social ladder, all these things that just consume our thoughts. He says, be very careful because there's a chance that you're going to be so consumed with going on here that when God invites you to something amazingly magnificent, you're going to say, hey, sorry, I'm too busy. And these guys, it doesn't sound like they saw it. They thought Jesus just didn't get it. But Jesus is there saying, no, I don't think you do. You think this party's harmless? You think climbing up the social ladder is harmless? You think working hard, getting ahead, making that your chief aim in life is harmless? Sure, that's good. Be successful, whatever. But after thousands of years... My father has been sending his prophets to tell you that the kingdom is coming. And and then he sends his son who walks into your house and you're too busy making fun of him to see that he's trying to invite you into the kingdom that's being prepared for you. The man that had dropsy, was a child of Jesus that had fallen to a well. Jesus says, I I am the father, I'm I'm the God of the world that will lift this man out on the Sabbath day. It's me, God in the flesh. They're like, idiot. Jesus is like, listen, you should be very careful when you sit in a party because someone more honorable than you might walk in the door. And you would just think he was some dumb rabbi healing people on the Sabbath, but he's actually the most honorable person who's ever walked the earth. If that ever happened, you would hate to miss it. You're like, this guy's crazy. She says, you know, when you throw a party, maybe you should be less consumed with this whole social networking thing. And you should realize that there are people in this world who need your help. And instead of turning your nose up at them, you should serve them and heal them whatever. So you, you would hate to be in that place where the God of the universe walked into your party and, and wanted to give you an invitation to his, but you were too busy with all of your relationships and positioning to recognize him for who he truly was. I don't know if Jesus would go to the Oscars. I don't know what he'd wear. But I know that what Jesus says is that sometimes we're so consumed with all the stuff in this world that we miss something greater that he has for us. 
So be careful. And be careful that you don't get consumed with your image. Be careful that you don't get consumed and find, find your image and, and who likes you and who you are liked by. Be careful that you're not so consumed and busy with good things in this world that when God calls you into his kingdom or into a relationship with him or off onto a mission he has for you that, that, that you're too busy typing to realize who's at the door knocking. Jesus came to bring his grace and yet they missed it. Don't be consumed with the things of this world and miss the grace that God offers you for the next one. Let's close our time in prayer. Father, we admit to you that we get consumed with stuff in this world and, <laughs> and, and we don't know why. We get so terrified that people aren't going to like us that we're going to look weird or ugly or that we feel fat or whatever it is. And, and our lives are spent just fixating on, on our standing and the way that people see us. And, and we know in our mind and in our hearts that if we truly had all we were looking for, all the money and the, the health and the beauty and all that stuff and the clothes and the fame, that we would still feel just as empty, but we just, we can't stop going after it. We pray that these words of Jesus would free us from that. That we would have the faith to step out of our bondage to the kingdom and the priorities of this world and step into yours. That we would be able to walk into a party and not be so consumed with our positioning that we would fail to see the person who needs help right next to us. That we would walk around this world not with eyes open to see who sees us, but that we would have our eyes open to see who needs us. And that more than anything, we would have our eyes open to you. We thank you that you would allow us to ridicule you that you would come into this world and try to teach us and try to engage with us and, and allow us, without just destroying us, allow us to ridicule you all the way to the cross. We thank you that you went there and you knew you were going there. That you suffered to pay the penalty that we earned when we ridiculed you. Because your desire in this passage and in your death and resurrection and in all things was to redeem us, to rescue us, to free us from death. You rose from the grave to give us life and you hold it against us that we walked away from you. You, you call us to come back to you. We pray that we would. That even now as we take communion tonight, that as we walk down this aisle and grab this bread and dip it in this cup, that we would remember that Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins, to free us from everything that held us in bondage, to wipe us clean and give us new life. We pray that we would walk away from this night remembering that we have new life forever and that we don't have to get caught up in stuff anymore that we are free to worship you and walk with you and serve you and find our image in you and you alone.
pray that you would give us the faith to live that way this week. That you would renew our minds so we don't care so much about what people think or what clothes we're wearing, but that we would be fixated on you and you alone and you would give us joy that we've maybe never experienced before. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear additional 613 messages, or you're interested in finding out more about Neighborhood Church, please visit our website at threecrosses.org. That's the number three, crosses.org.